Security Excellence Through Education, Corporate Security University. Everybody, great to see you. This is Carlos Francisco. And this is Scott Walker. And this is Corporate Security University. Security excellence through education. I am really uh, I'm really pumped about this one, Scott, because it's going to be a heck of a lot of education. I think we're going to be talking about everything from policies, procedures to co-employment to what happens when a security uh, company doesn't do what they're supposed to do. And what happens when, you know, the the the, the, the company that hires them does too much and it could get them in trouble. Chocked full of information. And this is this is what's interesting. This is not information that you and I read and we we are imparting uh, knowledge from a book. Right. This is real life education, real life experience that you and I have both had similar experiences. Of course, the story that you're going to talk about here in a second. But we're imparting real life situations that could really happen and probably will really happen in their corporate security uh, careers. So yeah. go take it away. So that's, yeah, that's exactly it. You know, it's, uh, we're like the teachers that actually can do the job. It's not the, you know, is what they say. Teachers can't do the job. Uh, teachers. Te- I, f- I forgot the saying. Those but, who can do those who can't teach. Uh, that's, that's the one. That's the one. So here, that's here something I believe in, but I understand. No, right. No, I get it. Absolutely. But here, here, so here, here's the little story that I'm going to tell. Uh, a gentleman gets, uh, gets let go from the company. He uh, gets escorted out to the, the, the main door. You know, they stop right there at the main door. The gentleman goes out to his car. Um, he, he comes back, you know, on, on the side entry, the vehicle entry. And um, the security officer, you know, knows him and kind of just lets him in. You know, not knowing that he was just let go. No communication, no nothing. Comes back in, um, shoots a bunch of people, sadly. Right. Shoots a bunch of people later on. Big lawsuits are going around everywhere else and they start figuring out who is to blame and who isn't to blame on on this entire situation. And so here is where kind of I guess the education of corporate security university starts because a couple of things um, from what this what the, what the investigation said, Scott, was that the procedure of walking somebody out out of your 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 building was written by the company not by the security company okay the security company just accepted that as so okay we have set the stage then we have a customer client or customer vendor type relationship where contract security provider providing guard force manage, guard force services to a uh, some type of employer that's exactly it that's exactly it. So we have that, right? Is a third-party vendor is not proprietary security. That's where it's at. So you know, they the first thing that they start figuring out as they're going through this, and I'm sure I'm going to miss a little bit of this story here and there. We'll, we'll figure out as we go as we go. But here it is. So they they walk the guy out, and it's in the investigation. 
they find out that that procedure was 100% written by the company, not the third-party vendor. Now, I don't know about you, Scott, but when I hire a third-party vendor company, a security company, a security contractor, for me, I get them because of a couple of different things. And by the way, everybody, if you're looking for a security company, here's some, for me, there's three things, Scott, that I want them for. One of them is I hire them because they know the state laws, regulations, all that good stuff. And they're licensed in the state to do the job. One thing, right? right. The second thing is because they come in, man, they sell you the crap out of this. I mean, they come with policies, procedures, code of conducts, post orders. They come with all this stuff that, you know, if you don't know anything about it, let's say I am a tech company and I am a a tech engineer. Like, I don't know anything about security. If you're telling me you come with all these things that are necessary to do the job, I trust you. I trust you, right? He goes, and the third, I think one of the most important ones is liability sakes. Like I'm hiring these people. Because my insurance is going to be less, right? Because I have to, to, to tell folks in the insurance world that I do have security. I do have security measures in place. Um, but also, if something happens, there it is. There's a security company. Now, don't get me wrong. If something happens, everybody's getting sued. However, uh, when it gets broken down, the liability gets passed a little bit. So those are the big reasons, Scott, why I would hire a third-party vendor. Now, there's a side one that is all about HR and 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 hiring and firing and all this other stuff. Okay. Yeah. So maybe I should have said those four things. And the fourth thing then maybe is the HR piece. Let's just throw that in there. HR piece. Look, I can get rid of them anytime I want per the contract, right? right? As the contract allows. Um, though I cannot tell a vendor that somebody should not be in my contract. Uh, I, what I usually say is this, I tell them a little story. I say, look, is that person worth the entire war? Now I'm not going to tell you to get rid of them. It's up to you if you get rid of them or not. Interesting. What you're talking about too is, so, you know, uh, the client has the ultimate decision on who comes on property. And as you and I know, uh, with our, our corporate security, um, vendors, they sometimes use the s- same people, um, or there's a kind of a secular state of people that kind of come and, and, and go on your contract. And there's reasons why folks come and go um, because they aren't working out at a certain time, or they get a complaint and and then they got to go, <laughs> and maybe they come back. I mean, we a lot of these clients uh, we've got long long lives here. Yeah, so that's true. In the request for proposal process, you're saying that's where you say, hey, this is who I want on the contract or this is maybe who I I don't want on the contract. And is it worth the fight? Is it worth the war? Yeah, I mean, I I don't even I'm, I'm literally talking about just let's say an incident where an officer really messed up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Automatically, I think most security companies would just get them out of the contract. But yeah. uh, there's been times where they have I've, not, you know, I've and, seen them fight. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they, they have not. And and I said, look, I'm not saying this person can't continue working, can't continue working here. I'm, I'm telling yeah. you, they can continue working here as much as you would like, you know. But I just find it difficult that this person clearly does not fit the culture and you mm-hmm. as a leader. Now, I'm not talking about the officer, because remember, in a contract, uh, there's an obligation on both sides. OK, 
I, I have the obligation to make sure they're doing the right things, right? KPIs, SLAs, all this wonderful stuff. And they, they, they have the same thing. And yeah. all I need to tell, always with the security operations manager, make sure everybody, you're not talking to officers, you're not talking to hourly people, you're talking to the person that is in charge of that contract and can make decisions for that contract. Don't go around co-employing, telling security hourly officers things that you shouldn't be doing. Make sure it is the person that is in charge of that contract. And what I usually say to them is, look, man, I'm not going to tell you you got to get rid of this person because that's not my job. That's co-employing. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. What I'm going to tell you is that this person, as you can see, clearly does not fit the culture of what we're trying to do. And they're continuing they're continuing uh, to create some kind of harm or create some, whatever case may be, you know. And my suggestion to you is that you go back and talk to your leaders to see if, if this should continue or not. I, I have a feeling they might say something different. And that's about how I do it. I I do not or have ever or will ever tell somebody to, you know, point at a security officer and go that person out of my um, out of my sight now. Um, that's a problem and it'll get you in trouble. Yeah. But usually yeah. the vendors that are working with you, especially in leadership, they understand it and they are willing to work with you and they do the right thing. You know, they'll yeah, move they want to maintain the contract. contract. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Let's talk about the terminology here that we're using because terminology is an educational thing. We have a lot of people that maybe are new in their careers or that are transitioning or transitioners from law enforcement military. Um, So we've talked about uh, RFP process. And, and we're, we'll probably do a deeper dive on that. I know that's, yeah, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole, that's yeah. a whole other thing um, because it is very complex. But um we talked about, so we're talking about account managers, right? So yeah. in the vendor world, uh, corporate security vendors that, that provide us services such as uh, guard force management or security systems integration, things like that, um, those those vendors or contractors come to our, camp, our corporate campuses or come to our offices and they perform a service or a duty, whatever, whatever that is. And the people that manage those folks we call either global account managers, depending on the size of your organization or an account manager, right? So uh, global, and in, in your experience, what's a GAM, global account manager? I'll use, you know, a big, big. Yeah, so manager. a global account manager for me, it's more like a director that has the entire contract, uh, leads the entire contract with multiple security teams. Yeah. That to me would be that person. Um yeah. So and then you have what we call like the SOMs or you're talking about an account manager, right? Yep. Those those are breaking down into multiple accounts within my business. But usually when we're up there up top, man, that's yeah. usually one person that's in charge of uh, if uh, different lines of business. Here we go. If you have uh, security yeah. services, you know, that might be one line of business that only takes care of office spaces. If you have like me where I work data centers, that could be a whole other line of business within security with somebody else covering that in itself and then um you know if you have all these other things so every single one of them has a manager that manages that individual piece of line of business within the global security but global security has the director for that company that oversees all of them is that so now let's talk about in corporate security who do you have in in uh, in, in corporate security we haven't really i don't think yet dove into and i don't want to hear but uh, maybe this is for another podcast we haven't really dove into what the hierarchy of is in a, in a uh, standard kind of corporate security 
uh, structure inside of a business. Um, but who is managing these contracts usually on the corporate, the, the actual in-house or what we'll call in-house or corporate security side? Yeah, in-house, FTE, right? full-time yeah, FTE employee right. side. So uh, really interesting uh, that you say that. So the the person that is dealing with that, you know, uh, that individual every day is usually for me, either a global security area manager or a global security site manager or somebody that directly has to oversee the statement of work. Okay. The statement of work, it's, it's, uh, we'll have to break down the different types of how the contracts work, but the statement of work really is where the KPIs and SLAs truly lie and, and breaks down what the day to day should be like. And that person should be the day to day FTE that's overseeing that to make sure that they are, uh, involved in the operation and maintaining the KPIs and SLAs that are set, set forth by the, the contract. Now, Somebody signs it, right? Somebody has to sign the, let's call it a global contract. You're talking about this global manager. And that's usually, you know, the, the, I don't know what company you have, but it could be the highest director, the highest vice president, the highest. That's the big contract that says we're going to work together. The how we are going to work together, uh, usually gets managed by the folks that are there locally working with you side by side. So in my case, uh, the area managers are usually working side by side with the security operation manager from the vendor side. And together, the both of them manage that that statement of work or statement of services, sometimes called statement of services. So and and I think what's important to, to note here, perfect description, by the way, but I think what's important to note here, too, is that the person who's managing that contract really is kind of the buck stops here person on the, on the in-house side, on the corporate security side, that they are responsible for how that contract performs, um, ensuring SLAs, KPIs, which, you know, that's RFP lingo that we'll get into uh, on another pod- podcast. But so I think that all of this goes into your story, which is, you have maybe a dual co-employment type situation where, and and what that means is in my estimation, you correct me if I'm wrong, or if you have a different read on this, but how I've always experienced it is the, uh, the, 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 the contracting entity in this case, what we're talking about is a corporate security team or the corporation itself as an agreement with the guard force provider, the vendor, and they are saying, hey, we want you to do security services for us in a certain way. And then they got even more prescriptive and they said, vendor, you shall operate these in these policies and procedures in a specific way rather than kind of working them out together or saying, hey, we would like you to you vendor to write us a policy and procedure manual uh, that we can approve. And, and that kind of goes with our culture, so on and so forth. They actually did a top-down thing, which was, you shall do it this way. And without really any kind of buy-off potentially from the vendor, the vendor has to comply with with however this is within the law, right? Is that your, your assessment of co-employment? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, too, to get right down to the security officers, that a security officer should not be uh, mandated to do things by two different owners. Right. You only have one. 
And that is yes. your your side of it. Um, but basically, it is. It is a kind of um, an agreement in between, you know, a, a company, a business, right? And some kind of um, employer that hires people on the outside. It could be uh, even a professional employer organization. You know, that could be, for example, in my past sports entertainment, uh, all the foods people were hired by a, a professional employer organization. It was it was an organization that hires people to do different things. So it doesn't have to be just security here. We're obviously we're talking it within security sense. Yeah. And I, and I think you, you even mentioned this earlier on, too. You know, why do we hire a contract security force to, to do these things or any kind of contract security provider? Why do we hire them? And I think initially and early on, you, you nailed all kind of the high points. So I won't regurgitate them. But, you know, it, it is what I've always said is if the company is not designed to provide security services, they you need to hire an outside vendor. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I was talking about the HR thing, which I forgot. Right. A lot of people would do it, too, because, by the way, just to mitigate some of the costs as well of having your own full time employee. Right. Because that comes with a lot of other things. And the tech industry also comes with bonuses and stocks and all this other stuff. Though I think it's going to slow down a bit on that uh, lately. But uh, it's also a lot more cost effective for the company. So that goes under the HR. Right. That goes under the HR stuff. So let's let, vendors. Yeah are easy to to remove if you don't like the way the performance is going it's easier than if it, if they were an in-house employee but it's exactly it so this will happen let's go back to the story right so what happens is that when they review the contract agreement uh the company said well i'm going to write everything for them now what should have been it should have been like this this is how it should have been you come to me you come to me with your policies procedures that you have your code of conduct and your post orders right i look at them and I look at what my company has in relationship to my work in relationship with you as a security company. A lot of times where you'll find that, you'll find that in access control systems, camera systems, intrusion detection systems, right? That are my system. The company owns the system. All I should do in, let's say, your post order is to come back to you with my part of the pie and my part of the pie are the security systems usually that are used and say here are the security systems this is what i need your people to do within our system right that's how it works and then you should send it back to the contract guard force the contract guard force looks at it and says okay yeah i agree i agree i agree i agree and in their head their their header right because they've accepted now they have to accept that in their header, yes. that piece, that part becomes part of the post order, but it's under their header with their exception that, you know, that they, that they've done that. What I've seen a lot of companies doing out there in this company in particular, all of the post orders and all their training materials and all their policies, procedures, even the code of conduct, you know, was under the company's header, not the uh -oh. contract guard force header. So that's what it is, right? You give me the training. I accept the training. I give you back my security system stuff that I need. You, in return, accept that. And I'll tell you why they should accept it on the way back. Because let's say my the guard that works at a guard shack, I, as a company, said, well, every time somebody comes in there, all of a sudden they feel like they're just going to talk it up. I want you to tase them. Well, if you're a security company, you might say, hell no, my officer's I'm not totally doing that, right? And you should not totally. accept that piece 
of, but if it is a normal operating procedure of gate control, right? You will press this button to open the gate. Uh, if a car is coming at 40 miles per hour and you have a feeling that it, it it's not going to stop, press the, the, the big red button right there that gates come up, right? Like yeah. those are part of your security systems that you own as a company. Well, the company didn't do any of this, Scott. They did everything for this contract guard force under all, their header instead of the contract guards force header. You know, so the contract guard force says, they made us do it. They made us. Nah. Right? Were the, the in your in your you're kind of reading between the lines here too. I'm sure the news story wasn't written for security professionals. Like no, us. no, absolutely. But in your reading through the lines here, between the lines here, are you sensing that the um, corporate security team provided policy procedures or processes that were inherently flawed <laughs> and may have created a situation that allowed this uh, violence to occur? Not only flawed, but now they took ownership of the security company, which is supposed to be the opposite. You're supposed to have the security company. Again, one of those things is to, to pass liability, everybody, right? Which we should, we should cover entire thing on yeah. risk. Okay, we, we, yeah, we should do the risk thing because, um, you know, you're passing that over almost like passing that risk to insurance, you know, come on, man. get it. So, yeah, that's where I'm at, Scott. And and they, they failed at doing that, which then they got in trouble. So basically what I'm trying to say is that if you you can most definitely hire a third party vendor, make sure that you understand how you're supposed to work together, how it works. Right. Don't let them fool you. You try your best to not get into their business so you don't have to suffer a co-employment. Pass all their liability now onto you because that's the reason why you hired them. So you can pass the liability onto them, right? Let's let's be smart about that and make sure that everybody as a whole, they're doing the right thing per the contract, per the statement of services or statement of work, whatever you call it, and, and that everybody's being measured accordingly and we're doing the right things. And we're hiring these companies for the right things. And I'll add to this is why that RFP process is so important and that you figure this out ahead of time. Because if you want to change, if you figure out like or if you you find that you've made a, a fatal mistake or it's an important thing that you need to change, you adding those changes into the contract are called change orders. And they could cost your contract thousands of dollars because what you're doing is you're saying to the vendor, Hey, we made a mistake. We need to change something. And the vendor's like, okay, but I just put time, energy, and effort into hiring people that would comply to what our original agreement was. This is, these are all legally binding agreements, by the way. Mm -hmm. And so everything, then this is what we need to understand as corporate security professionals is every time we make these changes, that's going to be a change order. That's going to cost money. And it may even cost you further down the road because who authorized that change order? Well, you know, now corporate security people are making compliance driven decisions that are or what decisions could be compliance driven or they're making decisions that could be uh, could impact the financial viability of the contract. Because when you have a contract, you've gone to to um, your finance department, you said, I need it's going to be a million bucks for three years. And this is what I need. And finance goes, OK, three years, you know, uh, divide by three and then carry the one and then we dot this and then it's going to last this is a chunk of money that you get and that's it <laughs> so if you start making changes you could affect the financial outcome of, yeah. of that contract and in this situation you affect the 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 
outcome of, of a dangerous situation, potentially. Um, I don't want to be in court trying to answer that. Why did you make this change or why did you tell them to do this when it wasn't your business to tell them? To do that? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, the guard that let that person in, uh, Scott, um, did not have their state license. They had it at one oh, time. Even better. They they had it at one time and it was not uh, refreshed. It was not up to yes. date. Um, so something, something else for you to put in the contract. So, by the so, way, something else for us to to talk yeah. about in the future yeah. uh, as a good one. But I, I mean, you have to classify all the independent folks. They're independent. They're not you. They're not part of your company, right? You cannot treat contractors like employees. You cannot loosen the control. So how you operate with them, that's theirs. This is ours. So training, policies, procedures, all that stuff, code of conduct, it's their stuff. It's, you manage that through the contract, not by doing everything for them. And in sometimes, man, you got to make sure that there is, you know, I, the company I work for today, we actually have a contingent worker, HRBP, like a partner, because we hire so many people that are like that, right? It's good to have somebody over there that truly understands co-employment and relationship to help you through the contract. And here, security, here is when it's important. When this, here's when your legal and HR in a corporation is extremely important partner. Because they'd be able to help you through that, especially on the HR side, on trying to explain to you co-employment, especially somebody came from that background. So very important partners. Uh, And uh, give me one takeaway and then I'll give you one of my takeaways from your story. Yeah. What's the most important thing in your mind that, that the students should take away from this? My my biggest takeaway is that everything that is done must be done through contracts, must be done through that and not done um, through um your relationship with them just because you're trying to be nice or because you're trying to work with each other and that kind of, you're going to work with each other, but it has to be contractually statement of work driven or statement of services driven. Don't fall into a place where you're co-employing. One of the things that I see all the time from my folks out there, they're telling their security officers what to do all the time. My full-time employees. And I have to tell them, nope, they're not your employees. They're not. Go to the SOM. Go to the SOM. Go to the security operations manager, right? Do not speak to the officers. I don't care if the officers is, you know, doing something tremendously bad. I want you to look at them, say hi to them, and go find the the person that is in charge of that contract. Do not talk directly to to the officers. The only time you should talk directly to the officers is to be nice. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Good afternoon. Man, love, love. Oh, you look great in your uniform. Wow, it looks great. Just be nice. Okay, I want you to be nicer than their own manager, but don't ever direct them. Yeah, it may be a little different in an emergency situation, too, by the way, especially for our, our students that are coming out of military and law enforcement. They're used to command and control and, and being in charge. Uh, you know, emergencies may be a little different, but uh, just be careful exigent. you put somebody in harm's way. Exigent circumstances. Yeah, exigency. Yeah. Uh, I think that my takeaway will be um, for them, this is why the contract is so important and the, the discussion or the, the contracting process, the proposal process is so important so that you set the ground rules. This is my expectation and really have that expectation figured out. And trust me, it's going to take you a couple of times till you get it right. Uh, you'll go through RFP processes and, and, and you'll make mistakes or you'll miss something because, you know, nobody can think three years into the future, right? Or it's hard to. Right. So, but. That's your one opportunity to really figure it out when you're in the proposal process and then when you're in the contracting process. Yeah. Figure those things out. Try and lean forward in the saddle as much as possible so you know what 
future is going to be. That's my, that's my takeaway. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, we covered a bunch of stuff, man. Policies, procedures, post orders, uh, contractual agreements, the relationships and co-employment. This, this was a very packed one in 30 minutes, Scott. Um, so pretty awesome, everybody. Listen, uh, once again, I am Carlos Francisco. And the, the other guy and on the other Scott side Walker. is Scott Walker. Yeah, that's Scott Walker <laughs> on muted. mute. And uh, this is Corporate Security University. Security excellence through education. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll see ya. Yep. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Security Excellence Through Education, Corporate Security University.